This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Let's just take the next two minutes, possibly. Just to thank God. And what I'll be asking you to do is don't, don't think about the needs that you have right now. Think about the answers that you have received for it. Because when you see the need, you don't see God. But when you think the answers, you know where the answers are coming from. And that's for those of us who have a need. But specifically, I want us to pray for those who are going through emotional challenges at the moment. It's breaking. It's breaking. So, can we thank God for the joy, the peace, the answers to those prayers? We thank you, God. We praise you. Because it's not of him that runs, but it's of you that shows mercy. We praise you, God, because we are not dependent on the system to bring us joy. But we are completely reliant on your power. We're reliant on you. So we praise you because you've brought us out of the dominion of darkness. And you've transferred us into the kingdom of your dear son, Jesus. And in this place where we've now found ourselves, emotional challenges are banned. Fear is not a part of this promise. And I thank you, God, for anyone who is going through any form of emotional challenges at this stage. I speak peace on them in the name of Jesus. Your peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. I praise you, God, because it's the beginning. It's the beginning of what you started to do. And we know you will finish this. So we thank you. We honor you. We thank you for healing at every turn, regardless of the circumstance. You've brought your children through to a place of promise, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Uh, I want to share with you this morning what I've titled, It's Okay. It's Okay. Regardless of where you've been, where you think you're going, And where you are at, it's okay. It's okay. Say to someone, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, no, no, no. Don't tell them, it's okay. It's okay. No, just say, it's okay. 
That's the kind of okay I'm talking about. It's okay. You're good. Not, oh no, I know, it's okay. No, that's not the one I'm talking about. It's okay. You're okay. Hallelujah. So let's start this morning with the book of um, the story. In the book of Luke, chapter, Luke chapter 7, verse 36. You still here? All right, so let's start this way. Luke 7, verse 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town, a woman, interestingly, the woman was not named. Just called her a woman in that town. Who lived a sinful life. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. A woman who lived a sinful life. And I think it was so terrible that Luke decided not to mention her name. <laughs> as she stood behind him, as she stood behind Jesus... At his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Let's just run through it. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him, who had invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. All right, look up for now. I like Jesus. He's, he's amazing. And he's smart. He's everything, right? Okay. But quite interestingly, this woman learned that Jesus was in town, and she came to see Jesus. Now, she didn't come to see Jesus to have a conversation. She came to see Jesus for just one reason, to worship. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm terrible. I know nothing is going for me. I know I've got a name in the city that people think, He's the worst sinner on earth. It's okay. I'll go to the master and I'll worship. And she wasn't worshiping so that her sin would be forgiven. She was worshiping because she knows that the master will accept her worship. And guess what? Jesus didn't say anything about it. But who said something about it? Simon, the Pharisee. And Simon didn't actually say he thought in his mind. 
said, if only Jesus knows who it is that is touching him, that she is a sinner. So, I mean, Dad, I don't think he's truly a prophet. How many of us are stuck in our head with thoughts about other people? Hmm. So we think about other people and we judge them based on our religion. We judge them based on what we think. It means to serve or to worship. How many of us? Some of us, right? Some of us. And at times when we judge them, we don't even know we are judging them. Because we are defending our tradition through the idea of religion. You can't do that. Oh, look at that. Man, you shouldn't be doing that. Think about it. If I came into this room right now um, with colored hair, it's normal out there, right? But because it's not normal with me, you kind of look at me and go, are you all right? <laughs> Is everything still okay? Or if I came in with just some awkward look, or I have a big tattoo on this side of my face, how lovely. You're going to look at me and go, oh, he's missed the mark. And you start to see vision, how God wants to recreate and, you know, revive his church. But the point is, do not use your religiosity to judge other people. Because you don't know where they've been, what they are. You might have been lucky to be raised in a Christian home. Not everyone was raised in a Christian home. But thank God they're here now. It's a new journey from here onwards. And trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. Let's not do his job for him. I was still here. Because the Pharisees were those ones who knew the law, the law of Moses. They knew the law, so they were kind of the custodians, in a sense, as well as the, the guards of the law. Anyone who is not doing it right, they kind of go, yeah, you're not doing it right. I think you deserve to be stoned. They are the ones who actually passes judgment. Think about it. They were the ones who finally passed judgment on Jesus. They waited for him for quite a while. And they finally got him. And since they got him, don't let them get you. Because there are still Pharisees hanging around. Are you still here? There are still Pharisees hanging around. 
And probably what they talk about is based on how they have rationalized the word of God. But don't forget the place of love in God's word. All right, so let's think about this. Uh, the woman whose name was not mentioned. However, her name was mentioned in Matthew. I love Matthew. Matthew called her Mary. But Luke, I'm not quite sure where Luke was coming from, but probably Luke didn't quite get the, the information about her name, you know? But let's think about what she did. Now, the Bible tells us that the glory of a woman is her hair. Right? I know there are some ladies today, they don't mind short hair. It's okay. Or not much hair. It's okay. But you see, a higher percentage of women, they've got hair and they love their hair. And for those who don't even have as much hair, they look for more hair to add to it. It's true, right? One day you see a sister, the hair was just not too long. The following morning, it's so big. You're thinking, what happened overnight? Okay. But the Bible tells us that the hair of a woman is her glory. In other words, you know, that's, that's one of the things that God has given her that makes her feel complete and confident. Think about what she did. Verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, and she knew too. She knew. Who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So let's hang there for a while. She came to a Pharisee's house. That is not normal. She knew there was going to be trouble, but that wasn't normal. But she knew there was going to be Jesus. So regardless of what trouble I'll get into, because of where I'm coming from, where I've been, but there's Jesus in that house. So she came in because of Jesus, not because of the Pharisee, but it was at the Pharisee's house. Okay. So, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and I checked quickly the cost of that perfume. I found the answer. I'll tell you in one sec. It's about 54,509 US dollars. 54,509 US dollars. And the Bible t- says something around about the, um, the annual wage of someone who was working. And if back then, that was the value, think about what value it has today. Okay. So she came in. She stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Great. Then she wiped them with her hair. And kissed them and poured perfume on them. Interesting. Wept at the feet of Jesus. 
You might be asking, so why, why was she weeping? I don't know. The Bible didn't say. But there must have been a need. Or she was just there to worship. But you see, if she wasn't there to worship, she wouldn't bring the jar of perfume. If she was just there to cry, she wouldn't come prepared. She came prepared. Because she learned that Jesus was coming. So it was not accidental. It was intentional. So she came, she wept, and she wiped his feet with her glory. So in other words, everything that she represented, everything, every worth, every value that she had, she put it at the feet of Jesus. It could have been on Jesus' hands. No. It could have been, you know, on Jesus' shoulders. No. But on his feet. She was not asked to do it. She was not commanded to do it. She made a bold decision to do it. And then she poured oil, that same perfume, on Jesus' feet. Now, in Matthew, in Luke, Luke did not actually completely talk about how much oil, how much ointment was actually poured. He just said, anointed Jesus' feet with oil. That's all Luke said. But in Matthew, Matthew said, broke, she broke the jar of ointment. In other words, there's nothing left. I'm not even going back home with the container. Everything Jesus is for you, here it is. My value, my glory, everything, all my worth is here for you. And at times, it's important for us to not gain or rather wait for people to put value on you. Value yourself. But let that value also be reflected in your worship, how you bring your worship. Because you're not going to come into God's house and go, Lord Jesus, I'm just going to worship you and do it out of, yeah, not a big deal. I'll just sing when they're singing and lift my hand just a little bit. But it's about giving yourself. Now, that is just one part of our worship. Another part of our worship is based on how we treat each other. How we live our lives. How we put things down on account of Jesus. How we are not revengeful or vengeful because of what other people have done to us or what they've said to us. You see, in this scripture, this, the woman's voice was not heard. Only two people spoke. Jesus and Simon. And Jesus spoke because he had to respond. But Simon spoke reactionally. He reacted. He saw it. No, I don't like this. Why should you? Oh, I don't even think Jesus is a prophet. I don't think he's really anointed. I think he's a fake. And Jesus had the thought. He probably wasn't speaking, but he had the thought. In Matthew, you realize that the Pharisee... Actually, in Luke, it was the Pharisee. But in Matthew, it was not the Pharisee. It was the disciples of Jesus. Even people that were so close to Jesus were saying, but why would this woman break this jar of ointment? We could have sold it and give it to the poor. And Jesus said, hey, 
I know your heart. Wrong thoughts. So, but the poor is always with you. I won't always be with you. That's a different, different thing entirely. But let's look through this. So when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, see, he wasn't talking to Jesus. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. And Jesus knew that. But Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. I love it. So Simon, let's have a chat. So see, verse 41. See, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. 550. 550. So the 50 was 10% of the 500, isn't it? And he said, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave them both. He said, it's okay. That's fine. Don't pay back. I've forgiven you. Now, which of them will love the master more? And Simon said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Of course, that makes sense, right? And Jesus said, yeah. Well done. Next verse. I said, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, Simon. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. Didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. Which is more expensive, tears or water? Tears. He said, you didn't give me water for my feet because it's a, it's a tradition that when you walk into people's house back then, you get them water to wash their feet first before they walk in. But this woman, instead of water, he brought her tears. And you would have cried enough to actually wash someone's feet with your tears. He said, but you didn't do that. But this woman came into the house and wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. So you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time, oh God, from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. So from the time I entered, she has not stopped kissing my feet. She continued. It was not a one-off. It was a, a continuous act. She has not stopped. It's not halfway through it goes, oh, well, I'm, I think that should be enough. Jesus can live on that for another one week, and I'll come back next time. No, she continued because she was there for something. She brought her what? She brought her tears. She brought her value to the feet of Jesus. I love it. And said, you did not put oil on my head, but she put perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Do you know that was not why the woman came? That was not why the woman came. The woman didn't come for her sin to be forgiven. She would have just asked. But whatever her issue was, she was there to worship. 
she came prepared. And Jesus is saying, her sin, which were many, had been forgiven. Ah, uh -huh. So therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sin are forgiven. I love it. That was not why she came. But she got double. Can I say something to you? There are times when you feel you need to worship God. Don't worship based on your circumstance. Bring more. Bring more. Worship because Jesus deserves it. Worship because he knows what you want. He knows where you are at. He knows. The woman didn't have to tell him, you see, I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm being rejected in the city. No, Jesus knows the heart of everyone. So when you worship him, he goes way ahead of you to make things work for you. So all you've got to do is worship, and it's okay. It's okay. And it's okay to bring your worship. It's okay to find yourself in your confidence and your value and your self-worth. Put down at his feet. Because while you're putting it down, guess what happens? You're gaining more self-worth, more value. It's true. Because your confidence returns. Think about it. Jesus forgave her her sin. Do you think she will ever be referred to as that woman who is sinful? No. Ended right there. Ended right there. So every time you come to, to God's house, whether or not it's at church, every time you find yourself talking to God, worship him from the bottom of your heart. Don't just go, well, uh, let me just do it so that at least I can tick the books. No, ticking books wouldn't work for long. It gives you just momentary uh, satisfaction. And then you find yourself back. But when you worship, worship with your tears. Worship with your hair. Worship with your kisses. Worship with your perfume. So what does it mean to worship with your perfume? The Bible tells us, that perfume was worth 300 denarii, which is equivalent to 54,000 US dollars. She's bringing in what she has. She's saying, Jesus, I could keep this, but it's yours. And, and that is also suggesting that I'm giving this all to you because I have the capacity to make more. Do you know some of us might make very interesting mistakes and you lose everything? But don't forget, the person who made it is not dead. The person who actually had all that wealth that they had before, before they lost everything, is not dead. It's still alive. And it's only one thing that needs to change. And you can't do that over again. Ten times more. Unless otherwise you cheated to get there. But if you hadn't cheated, 
and you have done it the way it should, should be done ordinarily, you can make that money more and more over again. But what I'm telling you is this. Don't ever hold back anything from the master. Because when you don't hold back, he fixes even what you were not thinking about. He fixes it. He fixes it. The woman, she was a sinner, but she didn't come there based on her sin. But what did she do? She just came and worshipped the master. All right. Say to someone, it's okay. It's okay to worship. It's okay to give. Luke chapter 16. And Jesus was still telling another, another parable. Verse 1. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager anymore. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. What do you recognize from there? Two things. Not strong enough to, to dig, but there are people that dig, right? But he's saying, I'm not strong enough to dig. What does that suggest? He's, no. He said, I'm not strong enough. He's lazy. Right? He's lazy. And he said, and I am ashamed. What does that suggest? Pride. So pride and laziness, they go hand in hand. I said, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. See how he's thinking. He knew that he was going to lose his job. All his master has said is, I don't think you can manage my resources anymore because it looks like you've been mismanaging them. Okay, so I need you to give account. And that is not to say that he's lost his job completely, but he's, he thought ahead of time. He thought, mm, okay, I know I'm lazy, <laughs> and I know I'm too proud to beg, um, but I've got some idea. I've got some idea, but this guy was lazy, proud, and smart. Think. So he called in each of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The, the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Terrible, right? That just shows that he was really bad. All right. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe a thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. Now, the master, Jesus, commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own kind than other people of the light. Did you get that? The interesting part here is that Jesus commended the cheat. Not for what he did, but for how he did. He didn't commend the fact that he was cheating his master. He commended the fact that he was smart enough to get himself out of trouble. 
And then he went ahead to say, the people of this world are in their generation, King James Version, are in their generation wiser than the children of light, the children of the kingdom. And why is that? Why is that? Because some of us, say to someone, it's okay. All right. But it's okay to think as well. It's okay to stop using God as a mask. Stop using him as a mask. Don't cover your face and use him as an excuse for everything that you're going through. Don't make him an excuse. Jesus is saying, be smart. First and foremost, lose laziness. All right? Lose it. Let it go. Lose pride. Let it go. But even much more, be smart. Be smart. The children of the world, right? The children of, of this world, think about what they do. Think about how they run business. The interesting thing is that when they want to fire you, they fire you. They don't see the tears in your eyes. But we wouldn't do that as Christians. But Jesus is saying, think about how meticulous they are in the way they get things to work. You will find that the social media is full of so many things today that whatever represents your life as a child of God is less than 20% on social media. It's less than 20%. How many of you would rather prefer a Hollywood movie to a Christian movie? Most of you, you watch Netflix and you hardly even see the Christian movie on Netflix. When was the last time you saw a Christian movie? The last time we actually showed a Christian movie at church. Yep, yep, I know. And do you know why that is at times? Christians, we hardly put in the work because we expect God to do the work. We hardly put in excellence because we think, yeah, it's okay. It's good enough. I know my Christians, they will buy. They will watch it. And no one watches it. So they don't make enough money to make good movies. And the ones that make good movies, they have to change the script so that it can suit um, social, you know, Concepts for them to be sponsored, to release it big time. And because it's not good enough, you and I, who are lovely Christians, we don't watch it. We rather watch the devil in the detail than watch Christ coming soon. Right? But Jesus is saying the children of this world are in their generation wiser. So he wants us to stand up and think. Think out of the box. Not within the box. Out of it. Stand out and go, you know what? Social media, you are a tool for our gospel. How many of you put messages on social media that is read by people from all over the world? Most of us. But it depends on what message that you're putting on. You even have friends that you've never met. On Facebook, on Twitter, I have liked you, friended you. It's great. It's lovely. But hey, don't just sit 
on your 500 friends on Facebook. Don't just sit on it. And the only time they hear from you is when you complain. When things are not going well. When you feel like this world is on my shoulder. Because you are looking for people to give you thumbs up and go, yeah, me too. All right? But how about a daily dose of the gospel? I know, very quickly, you see so many people start to unfriend you. It's okay. Add them back. And if they block you, find new friends. Yeah? It's true. Find new friends. Add more. Add more. So think about it. That probably about four four or five of us here will have mutual friends on Facebook. That both of us, all of us don't even know. But they are mutual because we knew them from other networks. And think about it, if you're putting a message of the gospel and they block you, and then I start to put message of the gospel and they block me, and then the other person starts to, and the other person starts to, very quickly they they won't have any other friends. And at some point they've got to accept it. They probably might start with some argument and go, but why, you Christians are this? No, we are different. Hey, we are different. Don't go with the traditional Christian ideology of, Oh, well, if you don't give your life to Jesus, Jesus is coming tomorrow morning, you won't go to heaven. That won't, that won't, that's not gospel. That's not gospel. Gospel is Jesus loves you regardless of where you are at. Jesus didn't have, even have to talk to that woman. The woman came in because she was already convicted in her heart for whatever thing she had done. But she was convicted in her heart. And she came to Jesus and worshipped Jesus. And Jesus, the only thing Jesus said to the woman, turned around and said, your sins are forgiven. And that's response out of love. Jesus didn't support whatever she had done. But she supported her human spirit, which he came to die for. Do you know that people that we see all around us are people that Jesus came to die for, regardless of how you see them? Both the ones that you don't accept, the ones that you really hate, the one that you want to kill tomorrow morning. Jesus came to die for them. It's true. He came to die for them. So when you start to see from that perspective of Jesus, you would not argue like Simon. You wouldn't say, if only Jesus knows that this person is terrible. You would not wave your fingers at them. You see them with the eyes of love and go, I get you. It's okay. And that is where you can forgive them without getting angry. That is where you can already, how do you say this? How many of you have got bank accounts here? How many of us? At least you have about some dollars in your bank account, of course, right? Of course. But how many of you have got a credit facility for love? You've got a credit facility for love. That every time you need to love someone, you can quickly draw from that, from that credit. Every time you need to be able to swipe your credit card of love. Every time. Every time. Every time you need to be able to swipe your credit card of compassion. Every time. And the interesting thing is that you do not have a credit limit for those kind of things. One more. 
every time you need to be able to swipe the credit card of I am sorry. I am sorry is the biggest thing that people hardly say. But do you know how much I am sorry can heal the wound in the hearts of other people? I'm sorry it's for you as much as it's for them. Don't hold it back. And if you've done something that you need to be sorry for, that's okay. But even if you've not done anything that you need to be sorry for and you think you are in the right, what would you lose? What would you miss by apologizing just for the sake of Jesus Christ? And don't go, just because of Jesus, I'm sorry. No, you're not. You're lying. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry, it's, it's heavy. It's heavy. And in your head, so many thoughts are going like, Simon, why should I? Why should I? Why should I say I'm sorry? Why should I say I'm sorry? Even to people that you are in relationship with, you find it difficult. You're thinking, I've given them too many chances. And they keep blowing it up. Do you know how many chances you were given? Do you know how many chances you were given? If you need to apologize to someone, go straight to them. Say to someone, it's okay. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand on our feet? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. We adore you. There's nothing too heavy that you cannot break through. There's nothing too heavy that you cannot undo. We thank you, God, because you're working on us. And when we bring our worship, we bring it with our pride down. To take you up on your peace. We praise you, God, because it's just the beginning. Because you're preparing our hearts to become bread to the nation. To feed the nation. So that is why, God, we will not continue to walk around the cities or our town with our heads or, you know, with pride in our, in our step. But rather to be able to give ourselves to others and love them as Jesus would. And that will start from this house, God. It will start with ourselves. So that regardless of what happens, it's not difficult for us to say, I'm sorry. It's not difficult for us to love people. It's not difficult for us to walk up to them and put the past behind and move together forward. I praise you, God, because you started a good work in this house. And I know you are faithful to complete it. In Jesus' name, amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419, The Transedge. A change is inevitable.